From the Rodney Kiefery Podcast Network, I'm Isaiah Castilleja, and this is Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. In this episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0, Coach Hayden talks to us about how to show value within our scope as we look to integrate strength and conditioning and sports medicine, how listening to your athletes is a key building block of culture no matter what level you work at, and insight on her decision-making process for choosing courage over comfort and how it has led to her success. All this on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Team Builder is the premier strength and conditioning app for teams and private facilities. Used by more than 2,500 organizations around the world, performance coaches can write training programs online for athletes to access on their mobile app or on tablets in the weight room. You can even print individualized workout cards of your programs directly from their systems. Right now, when you start a 14-day trial, use promo code CHALK, that is promo code C-H-A-L-K, to access more than 70 strength and conditioning programs directly in your Team Builder account, including four sports science questionnaire templates. Today, coaches from around the country use Team Builder's built-in questionnaire module to create COVID-19 pre-screening questionnaires sent to athletes daily. We've been using Team Builder at MSU Denver for several years now and cannot recommend them enough. Hewitt and his staff go above and beyond to help create an outstanding user experience for all the teams they work with. I've yet to run into a type of periodization or programming format that the staff at Team Builder cannot tackle and create. From asking around, it is clear more college and high school strength coaches use Team Builder more than any other training program available. Go to teambuilder.com and check them out. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Today, I am joined by Coach Andrea Hayden. She's currently the assistant strength and conditioning coach with the Minnesota Twins Major League Baseball team. Prior to the Twins, she was an assistant sports performance coach at Lindenwood University. And before that, she had stops at Louisville, Exos, and, and Team USA Hockey. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Thanks. Really happy, happy to be here and uh, really honored to talk with you. Absolutely. Can you tell me a little bit more about your role with the Minnesota Twins? Yeah, for sure. So I'm entering into my third season uh, with the Twins. Um, and so I, I function as the assistant strength and conditioning coach, but that everyone knows that as a strength coach, you have multiple hats and you do a lot of different things. But uh, primarily, my job is to take care of, of our uh, our big league roster and make sure that they're healthy uh, and on that field of play. Um, I also assist with our, our rehabs, so working alongside our physical therapist um, for guys that are on, on our IL, getting them on the field as fast as possible as well. So um, those are kind of my primary tasks. Um, and then just getting the opportunity to kind of uh, work alongside of our, our organization as a whole and, and help us as we're, we're making our own journey with um, diversity and inclusion. I get a chance to be on our, our, uh, our council that helps um, just kind of look at our organization and, and what are areas and ways we can keep improving our culture, our retention, our, our recruitment, and, and keep growing as an organization as a whole, which is a, a new role for me. Um, and then uh, beyond that, it's, it's kind of just supporting our, our minor leagues as well, our minor league coaches down in Fort Myers. 
um, helping them as we all grow and, and develop as strength coaches and, and supporting them any way I can as well. Wow, that that is awesome. Now, working in Major League Baseball with the physical therapists and the athletic trainers, how's that working relationship? I know there could be a stigma between strength staffs and sports medicine in the collegiate realm and a few other places, but how is the working relationship on the big league level? I think yes and no. I think it depends on the day, the athlete, the, the time of the year. I, I think that that's always the goal and the end goal is to be this high performance model that, that collaborates and, and crosses over. And like you said, synergistic between all parts of disciplines within whether it's nutrition, sports, psychology, physical therapists, ATCs, we all want to contribute our value in order to hopefully create this, this unison of that. But um, I think that's always the direction we're headed in. Um, I think that's something I've really seen and learned being at this level now is how important it is to work alongside these, um, your other, you know, your other fellow staff members and needing each other and leaning on them. Um, and a big thing I learned is like, there's a difference between, agreeing and understanding. And I think a lot of times we try to make someone agree with the way we're going to handle this rehab protocol or to return to play or this progression. I want you to agree with me. And so I'm going to try to sell myself to that. But reality is that we just need the person to understand what we're doing. So then either you can support it or not, but at the end of the day, we're still a team and we have to get along the same page. So I'm not required to agree, but I am required to understand. I got to see what you see. Why did you decide that was the best way? Okay. Now I can kind of understand it better. And I might still disagree at the end of the day, or actually I might open my mind to say like, oh, I do agree. I do see what you see. Um, and now we can move forward. But I think we, we've pushed so hard. To be, I want you to agree. I want you to believe and understand what I'm doing. Um, and then we get our feelings hurt, of course, when we, <laughs> we don't jump on that. Uh, and so just needing each other and learning that we just have to understand each other, have to um, realize that we're all at this level for a reason. And, you know, we have a lot of value to bring. Um, at the end of the day, we all have the same goal is, is to get that player back on the field. Like, and, we want to win and we want to be successful. So I think that, that it doesn't really matter the level. I think it, you could be at a NAI, a D2 a professional setting and we're all still striving and trying to figure out um, how to create these systems and these processes and help each other to, to utilize each other better. Well, I don't think I've ever heard it phrased like that before. You know, you don't have to agree with me, but you should understand where I'm coming from. And I think that's a very important right concept to grasp, especially when you're working with other professionals and mm -hmm. working at high level, some high level athletes. I think that's yeah. a very important aspect of the professional learn. Right. right. Now be. you have a primarily collegiate background. What's the biggest misconception with working with professional athletes at, on the team level and, or is there a difference in between what you try to establish with your collegiate athletes and what you're attempting to establish with a professional. Yeah, that's a good question. Cause I, I think prior to my knowledge of being in it, I, I wouldn't really know how to answer the question. I would think that they were much more advanced and far off and outside of my reach and my abilities. But then once you kind of get in it, you realize there's so many similarities. Uh, and one of that being at the end of the day, they're still people and they're still humans and they're still uh, guys. And, and so that whether it's your you know men's lacrosse team in the college setting or football team, and then you get to the big leagues, that they're still humans and they still have these um, needs and emotions. And so there's such similarities to it. Um, and at the end of the day, that they're, they're the best of the best and that they're at this level for a reason and they're extremely skilled and talented. Um, and so that's probably you know the biggest 
biggest comparison to that is just that they are human and how I interact with them, how college teams versus this, like there are differences because they're elite and they're the best, but they are still human and they're still uh, emotionally driven. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, something too is like in college setting, like there was a mandatory weightlifting that <laughs> you had to come in, you know, it's, it's three to four days a week, whatever it was, 60 minutes. And you kind of got, you got your chance that you had to come in whether they wanted to or not. And now you shift over to a professional setting and, you know, they got to this level without me. And so how do I show them now that they still could utilize me and I could still bring value to them, um, even though I'm, I'm around them for three years. So how do I keep getting them and how do I present myself and provide value to them that they would want to step foot in that weight room? Because they don't have to. They, they, you know, like I said, they made it there without me. Like, you know, they can continue on. And so just getting them to, to believe in our program, believe what we do and how it can assist them, not just to be a great person in the weight room, but also on the field. How does it cross over? How does it help? Uh, and so I think the biggest thing that needed more in college that we need now in professional is, is that buy-in factor, uh, building those relationships, building that trust. Um, and, and getting them to see how you can provide extra value on top of other incredible skill set that they currently have. Definitely. And there's something that I definitely like to unwrap here. Now, you said at the elite level, there's definitely a buy in factor. You know, whereas at the collegiate level, you don't have a choice. You come in to our weight rooms, we have our cultures, we have our established, and the teams, you know, typically will always be in the weight room when they can be what's the buy-in factor that you guys will focus on at the pro level? Is it kind of, you know, let me help you get better and perhaps maybe keep your career going a little longer or help you feel better. What is that buy-in factor? I think it depends on the guy and the kind of unique thing about, you know, baseball is that you have guys that either were drafted out of high school or they had a little bit of college experience. So they had a college night coach at some point or, um, they did four years, three years. Uh, and so everyone kind of has a different level, like a different training age. And so people have a different view of the weight room, whether you're a Dominican guy that maybe didn't experience the weight room until you got to the States. And um, so everyone's a little bit different on their journey of what they believe the value of strength and conditioning can have on their performance. Um, and so I think you have to kind of realize that like you, you can see who your college guys are. You can see what programs they came from and how they, they attack the weight room and what they utilize. And some people are more intimidated or, um, don't really value it. So I think it's just trying to figure out where that guy is at currently and then getting alongside of them. A lot of them are, are veterans that have established their, their own programs. And so it would be remiss of me to just jump in and try to overhaul that. That would instantly turn them off and uh, that wouldn't be <laughs> helpful to anybody. So if you alongside them and seeing what they've done previously, what works for them, I think you realize how individual we should be and we need to continue to create our programs for these these for athletes in general, but especially this population that likes certain things and have done things that help them and they, that makes them feel good. It makes them uh, feel like they can play longer. It's a long season. So it's just getting alongside them, what's going to help them and then try to, you know, sprinkle in some things that may be a little more beneficial or maybe challenge them on, Hey, why do you do this? What about this instead? And, um, but in a positive way that kind of helps them feel like they have autonomy with what they're doing. And that's priority. Um, I think, yeah, the, the buying practice too is, like I said at the beginning, like they're, they're humans and they're honestly just a bunch of dudes that are, are love to have a good time and are fun and are competitive. And, um, and so I think you just have to embrace that part and get to know them. And I think some people can be intimidated by them. Um, and if we put them on a pedestal and we, you know, kind of treat them sometimes a little different, but at the end of the day, they're still humans and 
they're a bunch of brothers and uh so just getting like you know having great conversations with them about their families or you know their dogs or their you know their fantasy rackets or whatever they have going on uh, i think that buy-in part is important i just figure out what they like to do already get alongside of them um and then figure out how you can just keep building that trust and relationship is really important definitely i think that's important just they are still humans. They're all that have still have like human needs. Meet them where they're at, communicate with them, connect with them, and then help them work and achieve the, whatever their goal they may have. And that's a, that's a really good takeaway. Now, earlier you had mentioned you help out with the twins on some other projects outside of the weight room. You know, was that intimidating or is that something that was very natural for you? Because I, I feel if I were to become an assistant strength and conditioning coach at the pro level, I would find myself primarily in the weight room, trying to be the best strength and conditioning coach I could be and to branch out and work with the organization outside of the weight room. I feel is something outside of a lot of coaches comfort zones. So was that something pretty natural for you? And were the twins very helpful with that? Yeah. A little bit of both. I think as a strength coach, we're very comfortable in certain elements and areas, uh, which is sometimes limiting in our growth. So for me, I, I always want to keep growing and keep developing myself personally, but also figuring out what are the ways that I can provide value um, and not just in the weight room, but what are things outside of it. So I saw an opportunity to um, help out the organization and, or, and support them as much as they've supported me. So it was kind of an easy decision on that aspect. Uh, but as far as the X's and O's, it's very intimidating. I don't, I'm not a business degree. I'm not a business mindset. I, I don't have that corporate thought process. Um, and so I think in the beginning of, you know, all the, obviously we're doing all these Zoom calls in the beginning, I was really intimidated and trying to figure out, you know, why was I selected to be in this and then a chance not only to be on the council, but actually be a, in a, a leadership role of it. Uh, and I remember saying like, this is just a little bit over my head, but I think those are the things and looking back at my life and journey, those are the things that have provided uh, the most growth for me personally and the things that are like are completely outside of what I could ever achieve with what I have. And I have to reach and lean on other people and my other people's experiences and dive into things and learn as much as possible. And anytime I've done that or forced myself to do that, like the, the return on it has been so great. Uh, and so it's kind of one of those things that, yes, I was terrified and that's usually the sign of doing it. Um, but I, ha I have learned so much and have a different understanding of now the business side of our organization and, and realizing and meeting so many different people that, you know, when you're in the weight room or you're out in the field, like, you don't, you kind of forget about uh, your ticket sales guys and you forget about your uh, season ticket holder people. You just forget about a lot of people. Um, and so now kind of getting a chance to see our employees and it's a big organization and just seeing how people run and function and how can we continue to push the, you know, the culture in the weight room, which we're also comfortable about pushing and developing that needs to also be in, on the business side. Um, and so how can we help build that type of culture, that type of buy-in to the purpose and the mission and the vision of the twins. And so that people, you know, in accounting and in our IT department, like feel as much as they're part of the team and they're not just some secondary um, brush to the side, but they, they're just as much in that clubhouse as, as the rest of us are. So yes, it terrified me. It was scary. It was uh, unknown. I'm still learning. It's still new. Um, but it's helping me understand and appreciate, you know, people and different roles and responsibilities and seeing how you can actually apply a lot of things that happen in that corporate business world actually do apply to what we do um, and, and what we do in the weight room, too. I think that's some really good advice. Some of the best strength coaches I've talked to so far 
said one of the key contributing factors of their success is providing value outside of the weight room for the organization. And to have you out working with the business side of things and me working with ticket sales and, and working with the organization and outreach, I think it's a very good thing that shows that strength coaches aren't just stuck in the weight room. We can provide value to the organization as a whole with very important things outside of our normal scope. Now you had mentioned some of the best things that's happened to you have come from times when you have been nervous. Could you talk to us a little bit more about that or explain a little bit more? I know it sounds like you have chosen to be courageous rather than comfortable throughout your career. And, you know, I know a lot of coaches are going through furloughs or, you know, even worse. And and the job market's a little on its head right now with everything going on as we recover from, you know, COVID. What would you say is like the advice that helped get you through the nervousness and got you to where you are now? I mean, you were at a division two school, right before your next job is a major league baseball team. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think sometimes it's good to look back and reflect on our journey uh, and appreciate every aspect of it because you kind of sometimes get sucked up into what's currently in front of you. But yeah, I look back at, at life in general and there's been many times that felt hard and uncomfortable and, uh, time was really frustrated with them, but realizing now that that was just an opportunity to push forward. Um, and so whether it's, you know, part of my story is that I, I didn't go to college right away. Um, and so I was late and so I didn't show up to going to, um, my undergrad until I was 24. Uh, and so I'd have to like relearn how to do like statistics and math and write papers and APA format. And like, I was just very overwhelmed. So I have kind of checked all that stuff out, uh, but those were just moments that you had to put your head down and keep working hard. And, and I think I appreciated my education way more. It's something that I hold close to me. That's something I never thought I would ever even have a bachelor's degree and then, um, and pushing forward and, and, you know, getting a master's and now where I am now. But I think just in those moments when you feel like it's hard and it's challenging, like those are just moments you have to just do it. And I guarantee if you really bet on yourself and you trust yourself and your instincts and you know how to rely on other people, like it always turns out to be successful. Um, and success looks different. Doesn't mean like it's you might set a goal in the beginning and it's actually changed and it's evolved and grown. Like I never set out the goal of where I am now at all. I just set out the goal to be the best that I could be, and I want to be helpful and I want to you know fulfill a purpose that I feel and a calling on my life, and that's just to to serve other people. And so whatever that looks like, I wanted to do. So I was okay with being at an NAI school, and I was really good with being at a D two school, and I wasn't necessarily looking to climb any type of um, progression forward, a pos- you know next step above that. Uh, and so, yeah, I think I just look back and you just say like, uh, that was a motto I had in my life was, was courage over comfort and, and doing the things that are scary and challenging and unknown and, and knowing that I'll just take a bet on myself and I'm going to give the best I can. And if it doesn't turn out the way I thought it would, I'm going to find something else among where I am and push where I'm going to go forward. But I, I look back at times and, and I went to China for a little bit to work with women's hockey and while over there, I remember stepping on a plane and being like, what am I doing? Like, I, it was like all of a sudden I was in Dallas, Texas, getting ready to jump on a plane for 16 hours and was like, I have no idea by myself, no idea what I'm doing. And it's terrifying. I don't know how to change even my American dollars to, to whatever. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Uh, but those are the moments that have pushed me and I've grown so much as an individual and a person, which flow over to being a coach. 
I think just those things you have to do and it takes sacrifice. It's not, it's not glamorous at all. I've lived on an air mattress, you know, I was in the big league and lived on an air mattress. I wasn't there yet. And I'm still trying. Um, and so I think you, you live in a one bedroom, barely paying stuff. Like, I, you know, you're just not, it's not a glamorous thing, but if it's worth it and it's worth it to you, uh, you're going to find a way to get there. Um, and I'm still getting there and I'm still challenging myself to try to keep growing and learning and, and making those sacrifices. Uh, but it is, it's just choosing the stuff that's hard and choosing the stuff that isn't simple and it's going to take time. Um, you know, I, I'm, like I said, not traditional in the way I've gone through education. You know, I'm 33 years old. Like I just finally have my first full-time job two years ago, like a real full-time position, which is benefits and those things. And so it's just sacrifice that you have, you had to make, but it was something that was really important to me. Um, and it's been so valuable along the way. It hasn't been miserable. It's been incredible. Uh, but I think it's perspective and how you view things and how you choose to see, um, you know, opportunities that maybe are masked as looking as challenges, but it always will be an opportunity if you could really push forward and, and challenge yourself and, and, like I said, always lean on the people around you to support you. We'll be right back. The GymWire Power Tool is the gold standard for measuring performance and implementing velocity-based training. The question isn't what does GymWire do, but what it doesn't do. You can perform velocity zones, jump testing, athlete profiling, predictive 1RM analysis, live leaderboards, asymmetry resting, fatigue monitoring, and so much more. Because of the versatility the system offers, coaches can rest assured they're getting the real value for their money. They are the gold standard for velocity-based training with an interface that is easy to follow and a team at GymAware that are always top-notch with their customers. For more information, head to the website gymaware.com or contact the GymAware team directly. That is definitely some profound advice there. And I know with strength and conditioning coaches, it seems at times we're destined to be in our toil before we find some success. But whereas some people, you know, choose the first job they can make money is it, you know, you're one of the few people on this podcast who's said, you know, you typically just choose the obstacle or the most difficult version of what you can, you know, continue to grow into because the most difficult times is when you have the most change and the most, you know, growth as a, as a person and as a coach. And I think that's some very good advice. You are a great sports performance coach and you got to where you are because of your hard work and your willingness to be the best there is, but you're also a trailblazer for all women and, and especially assistant strength and conditioning coaches and just coaches in general in major league baseball. What's some advice you would give to other female strength and conditioning coaches that are in the industry that find themselves in a, you know, a male dominated profession? Yeah, I think that at the end of the day, I wasn't looking to be, the first anything I never had that in my mind, honestly, by 2020, I thought we'd have the first everything already covered by now, but we're still getting there. Um, but I think when I would tell anybody, this male or female or anybody and within our profession is like, you just have to be really excellent at your craft and you have to be so good at what we do that you're basically undeniable and you're seen and you're visible and people want you. Um, and so it's just, it, it takes that first being really good at our skill set, And then secondary, it, like what I'm, big believer in is, is that network. Um, and that's what has 
pushed me forward to where I am now. So I've only am where I am because people have taken a risk on me and given me chances and um, have put their name on me. I always say like I wear a jersey with people's name on my back because everywhere I go, I represent that. Even if, you know, you, I remember meeting you in 2012 uh, and talking to you and having to present to you my portfolio and getting your feedback on it. And I had no idea what, you know, what I was doing then. And, uh, and so anybody that's willing to take a risk on me and a chance and give me an opportunity, like I, I'm going to work my butt off and make sure that we can, I can see some type, you know, there's something that I can bring value to them as, as much as I need it too. Um, and so when it comes to kind of being a, a female at the same time, like there are challenges and there are benefits and um, there, there are moments that it's really, really hard in my setting. And there's moments that it's actually the most rewarding um, but I think that any advice I would give to another female is, is always make sure that your perspective, uh, is in line with what your thought process, it has to be in line. Like your perspective matters and how it's how you propel yourself forward. So if I'm always feeling like I'm being offended or if I'm always feeling like, um, I'm second class or I don't believe at that table, like I'm going to behave that way. But if I truly believe and have this self-confidence that says, you know, I deserve a seat at that table, <clears throat> excuse me. And I'm going to earn that through being excellent at what I do, then I can't be denied. Uh, and I just have been fortunate to be around a lot of great people and men in my life. And a lot of my success has come from men mentoring me. And that's been a big part of, of my, my journey. Um, and so I think that I've never felt um, less than, I've never felt not important, I've never felt not valued. Uh, and I never let myself feel that either. And so I think it's the way you carry yourself, it's with respect, it's with that self confidence. Um, and in the most humble way possible, is trying to find that balance. But the perspective is important because I think if we keep carrying ourselves thinking that it's male dominated, we're always going to feel that way. Uh, and so I always ask people if they, when they ask me, because that's a question I probably get more times than anything. How is it working, you know, with all these men and it's male dominated? And I would kind of ask them if they know the definition of dominate, and that means superior, overpowering, commanding. Uh, and I don't work in an environment like that. I don't work in an, a suppressive environment. So instead of saying male dominated, I use the word male majority. There's just more of them than there are of me. I'm just outnumbered. Um, but I won't let myself feel dominated. I won't feel that way. So I think it's just perspective. And so I encourage any, anyone, but male or female, um, to have that humble confidence of uh, I belong, I want to belong, and I'm going to prove that I do belong by bringing this a, a value to them and being undeniably great at my craft that that they would want to want me to be a part of their staff. Um and so, yeah, I think it's, it's a great opportunity. I'm really fortunate. I think for a while I did not embrace the first because it was something I don't want that acknowledgement. Um, I wanted to just be good no matter gender. I wasn't. So I was almost uh, prideful in the way that I was humble and accepting it. I didn't want that. And so as I was like, oh, I'm too good to be that. So I don't want to be that. I want to just do my job, be good at it and keep moving forward. But when I realized that there's such an opportunity to embrace it for myself and acknowledge it, um, because I want to help shift the mindset that says it's not male dominated, it's just male majority. Uh, and that us women need to step up and men need to step up. We just need to be really good at our craft. We need to be so good at our skill and creating those cultures. And we're great outside of the weight room. What else can we provide and what other value are we bringing to, to our teams and our coaches and our staff? And what else can we do? Are we the first person to show up and help? And are we dependable and reliable? And, um, I think that's most important than anything than gender regardless uh it's just being you know a good person at what you do um and serving as, as wherever is needed i think that's really excellent to hear your story and i think our listeners are going to really get a lot of value out of listening to how 
you hold yourself to that standard and, and the value you bring to your organization. And, and I think that's, that's a great, great advice. Now I work with baseball and I know that the baseball athletes, they're just different. And there's a lot of, they got, you know, superstitions the way they do, they do things. And I know even the difference between a, a, a pitcher and a field athlete and, just overall the different cultures or you might have, you know, Dominican players and American players. How do you go about managing all the different cultures and different ways of doing things in the club, in your own clubhouse? Yeah, it, it is different. That's something I didn't know prior uh, to, to being in the position I am now that like, it is a very vast difference, whether it's culture, you know, different people we have people from every continent we have a german we have dominican republic we have mexican we have all sorts of different backgrounds and so that with that and also it's different ages different abilities different they've been in the league for 10 years but this is their first year in the big league there's just a vast differences amongst all the players and so that does change the environment it does change the culture but i, I look back to my own career and think and i encourage other coaches the same way is if you can get involved in different sports uh, and get a chance to work with as many sports as possible, you'll learn that you have to kind of blend into different cultures. Uh, and every team, every sport has their own culture. And so if you can learn quickly that I'm not going to come in and change that as a strength coach, I'm going to get alongside of it, harness what I can, bring value where I can, um, but at the same time not try to come and disrupt it. And so this is, it's no different than, than now being um, in a professional setting where you have to find those guys and, and harness the things that you need and want. And, you know, and you work alongside your manager and, and, your, your hitting coach, your pitching coach, and what are they trying to establish? So I'm not, I'm not anybody to be establishing culture, but I am someone to to promote it and champion it, and that's what I want to do. Um, and so it's getting alongside of those those coaches and those people. Um, but there is such a difference. But it's, at the end of the day, it's just learning people and understanding people. What makes them tick? Certain guys are, like you said, very um, ritual in the way they do certain things, and um, sometimes it makes us laugh. But like that's what works for them, and and that's what you need to embrace and accept. Um, and so I think that uh, when we look at like jobs and job security, and as we're trying to like keep moving and evolving, I always think of like the, the top three things, and I've some great research on it of, of what keeps us moving forward and keep opportunities in front of you. And that first one is obviously we talked about being great at your skill and your craft. Um, the second one now is culture competence. Like, can you understand other cultures, embrace them, not minimize them, accept them for who they are? Um, and see how it helps your perspective change. And that third one's that emotional intelligence. And so those three things have to be a priority to ourselves as we grow and develop as coaches. But then how can you also execute that? And how do you implement those things? How does having a better culture competence, and I'm trying to learn Spanish. I'm really trying to dive in to be able to communicate. And those little things are really important because it shows my effort I want to, and I, I need to be able to communicate certain things, you know, that I can't. Um, and so you learn too, like, and, you know, in Spanish, like there's a hard way to describe pain. Like I can explain pain to you, like, hey, how's your leg? Is it painful? But asking them pain, like pain for them, there's not a single word like we have in our language. And so for them, it could be uh, tight or it could be discomfort. Or, you know, it's not like a very generic thing. So learning that vocabulary really matters in how you communicate um, and embracing that culture. And then like, and just different things. Um, but I think overall, like, the, the more that you can dive into other people, uh, you learn emotions, you learn how they tick and, I think it helps build that culture, helps build that 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 clubhouse, that environment. 
Well, Coach, you just keep bringing great content and great advice. I appreciate everything you've done to give our listeners some insight to how you operate things up there. Now, if you could pick up the phone and call Andrea Hayden from five years ago, what would you tell her? Well, I see. I knew all your hard questions would be coming around the corner. <laughs> um, I think if I reflect five five years ago, uh, I was just starting. If I'm just going back, didn't I'm being very specific. I was just starting my GA um, at Lindenwood, and I, I think there were moments where I felt very overwhelmed. Um, insufficient in those and, and wasn't prepared, but I think I didn't embrace that. Instead, I masked it as like a, a secret confidence that I knew what I was doing, but I really didn't know what I was doing. And so I think I would tell that girl to just embrace the unknown and it's okay not to know and it's okay to, to make mistakes. And I'm grateful for Lyndon Willis. It really was what felt like a lab to trial and error and make mistakes and, and learn. And it was such hands-on experience that um, to fully embrace that and it's okay to make mistakes. I think that that's important. Um, and to b- embrace failure and to to know that things are not linear at any mean in life. And there's not one thing that progresses to the next. Kind of we're just all putting bricks down and hope to step on to try to achieve that next thing. But there's not any type of linear path to where we're headed. Um, and I think I also back then just felt very behind. I felt, and I was intern again, I was about 27 years old and I'm, I'm starting. I felt behind. I had a chip on my shoulder feeling um, behind on things. And so you had G- other GAs and interns that were significantly younger than you, but looked more advanced and they had a better grip of the science. And um, I just felt very behind. And I, instead of seeing that at the time as an advantage, I saw it as a disadvantage. Um, but now looking back, saw it as an advantage of understanding um, and just having a different perspective than they did. But uh, I think we're always trying to find these mentors or these people and chase after other people and like copy and paste what they do in our lives. And it just never, ever will work. Uh, and I think I was looking for that at the time. Was, what did you do? And then how can I re- replicate that in my own life to have that same success? Uh, and my story is nothing like yours. And it's nothing like what I thought it would be or anyone else I know. It's, it's very different. And so it's okay to have a different story. It's okay to, like I said, embrace those failures. It's okay to be a little bit what you think is behind because it's only going to propel you forward. And um, yeah, I think, I think I throw that. Mm, that's great and and thanks for sharing that what's next for coach Hayden what's something you got coming up or what's something that you're looking forward to in this next year I I, I want to keep going I just want to keep growing um and I think we think like once you've made it to professional or this is a level like then that's it like I'm not satisfied with that and if that means I go back to a division two school and I can keep growing and that's still a forward progress to me um, so I'm not settling by any means. I, I'm really thankful to be with the twins. I can't acknowledge how great my organization they are for taking a risk on me and bringing me up. Um, and the value that they are bringing to my own life personally, as well as professionally is, is amazing. And so I'm excited to keep growing with them. I think there's so many opportunities to keep developing what we're doing on the sports performance side and, and keep developing our players. Um, I think there's great opportunities within our staff to uh, we have some really great coaches, so I love being a part of that. But for me, I'm just going to try to grow every day and and keep changing the things that are around me and, and bettering myself through uh, networking and, and communication and people. And uh, just when I think I know what I'm talking about, I realize I really have no idea. So I'm still, I'm still learning. I feel uh, I've heard people talk about having that that beginner's mindset and that that internship mindset of saying like I'm I'm still at the beginning stages of of everything and I'm still grinding and, and I want to keep getting better. Um, 
that's that's what's ahead of me every day getting better well you are not going to be stopped and i think that's awesome to listen to now what's a good way that other coaches or listeners can follow up with you or you know, reach out to your, do you have any social media you can give a shout out to so we can, you know, tune in to what you got going on? Yeah. I, I always try with the social media. I'm really terrible at it. And I, I always have good intentions. I thought with COVID quarantine, I'd have all the time in the world and I just, I haven't been able to, but uh, I'm always up for a great conversation. I really enjoy talking shop. I love talking with people. So I'm an email or, or call away. That's something I really enjoy, but um, yeah, I think Social media is really, it's really falling flat for me. And I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. But, uh, hey, Coach, I wanted to say thank you for joining us on the podcast. And, and thank you for being candid and, and providing us some insight to your path and how you've, you know, become the coach that you become and, and provided all our listeners with some motivation and uh, some inspiration to continue to working hard and, and getting to where you know, they want to be. So thank you for your time. And, you know, it's really fun to watch your career and see how great things are going and where it's going to lead you to. So thank you. And I hope we can talk to you here soon. Thank you. The Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 podcast is brought to you by Play. Listen in on a conversation with Play's Global Director of Performance and Education, Coach Mike Buley. Coach Buley describes the vision of how Play will continue to be the company that will propel the innovation of the strength and conditioning profession forward. Well, after 22 years of, of coaching, I've learned that connection trumps communication and that it's not enough for coaches to know that you care. And I think you got to take that step further. They need to experience that you care. And I've always been a coach that tried to be more tra uh, transformational than transactional. And so with that awareness in mind too, I always enjoyed working and learning and talking to other people and, and coaches and developing that camaraderie. I've always been, made myself available to the community because I remember how hard it was too to try to get a crack into this this profession. And uh, I promised myself if ever I was given a shot, I would never take advantage of that. I always allow myself to uh, help other people uh, chase their dreams in this profession. It's been very good to me. Play is a company that will help your strength conditioning program find solutions for all your needs. Review second best and check them out at play.us for more information. This episode is brought to you by Optimum Nutrition Athletics. After dominating the sports nutrition industry for over 30 years, the newly created Optimum Nutrition Athletics brings the same trust and quality at a great price. They've worked hard to put convenient nutritional supplement options in the hands of your athletes. Because of the increased demands, ON now offers their third-party tested NSF certified gold standard whey protein powder in 10-pound bags exclusively for their athletics partners. Owen even released ready-to-drink cartons of their gold standard whey protein shakes for your athletes and coaches that are on the go. Colleges and universities across the country have partnered with Owen to give their athletes the highest quality nutritional supplements and Owen continues to deliver. They provide flexibility and affordability for all their partners. If you'd like to learn more about their expanding line of supplement products or if you're interested in becoming a partner, contact Owen's 
Rachel Kravitz on Instagram at on underscore athletics underscore West or email rkravitz at glambia.com. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you to our great guests for taking the time to share their experiences. Thank you to Play and Team Builder for being great companies that help our profession. And most importantly, thank you, the listeners. Please find us on social media at Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0. Find our show notes on wherever you listen to your podcasts. Leave us a rating, comment, and subscribe. And don't forget to say hi. It's great to hear from coaches from around the country. Talk to you all next week on another episode of Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0.